Welcome to the eighth episode of Belgium Mole Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harvestone, and joining me once more is the Canadian who wouldn't need a Skype chat with the mole because he spoke to the host instead at the back end of last week, Logan Saunders. Good morning. I'm just sort of still riding high and gloating that we got Gilles. Not gonna lie, it was awesome. It was, it trumped anything I did in South America. I would trade it all to talk to Gilles again. Being perfectly meta here all of the feedback we've had from that interview has been amazing i've been so happy with how it went down and how it actually worked out it was a great time for us yeah nobody said like oh why did you ask that question or how would you not know that about them all i think we asked some pretty advanced questions as a whole yeah i think it was something like about 55 questions something like that we asked and in fact someone on reddit said wow i can't believe you asked that many questions that's what happens when somebody's willing to chat with you for two and a half hours. Yeah. Gilles, thank you so much. I said this at the end of the, the actual podcast we did with you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And it was an absolute highlight of the podcast for us. Yeah, five years running. Or close to it. Yeah, it's not an understatement to say that it's one of the best podcasts we've ever done. And it's, as Logan said, four and a half years that we've been doing this now. Not on Belgian Mall, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you mean Amazing Race Canada. <laughs> now it feel every season feels like four and a half years on Amazing Race Canada, and it really did last season. You can drive across Canada and it take four and a half years, Michael, and you never see anything different. Every everything you never see anything the same. It's a whole new experience everywhere you go. You never need to go anywhere else. You have everything you need in our home country. Yeah, they could just film Belgian Mall year after year in Canada, and the viewers wouldn't get sick of it. Eh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> And we finally know who the mole is. Yes, and for the fourth season in a row, heading into a final three, I correctly predict who the mole is. I'm the best. You are. However, you did say at the end of the Geo podcast that it was going to be Lloyd. No, I said Peter was the mole and that Lloyd was the winner. That was the final prediction. No, I said that. I thought you said Baja's the winner. No, I said, I said Peter Lloyd. You said um, Lloyd Peter. I did not say Lloyd was the mole. I said I thought it was Lloyd. Because I even listened back a couple of days ago just to make sure. I said, I, at the start of the podcast, I thought it was Lloyd. And then at the end of the podcast, I said, Peter's the mole and Lloyd's the winner. I promise you, you didn't. L- listen back to it at the very end of it. It's like in the final minute of our podcast. I will, because I know for a fact that I said Peter and Lloyd, respectively. And you said it was Lloyd and Peter. Because we made the joke that watch it now be Baja. Yeah, but I thought it was because none of us really said Baja. Because I said I thought it was me Lloyd, but now I was like, wait, his sabotage has been too obvious. I'm going to flop to Peter. Revisionist history. No, listen, you can pause this right now and listen back to it. I will, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'll get it up on my speakers to prove you wrong. I'm just trying to think of what subtle hints Gilles may have dropped. Um, I think Peter's the mole, Baja's the winner. Ignore that. Whatever. I hate it when you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend that never happened. It won't be in the final edit. So as I was saying, fourth season in a row. Shut up, you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as promised to Gilles, I did record my reaction, and I can't say I was surprised it was Peter, because I'd kind of figured it by the end, but he's a great mole. I'm curious by how many people were onto him. I think Jill did an interview afterwards where he said it was about a third for each of them. Because he, he kind of wished that it would have been a bit more towards Peter, he said. That more people suspected Peter? Yeah. Hmm. So pretty much the whole Final Four suspected Peter is what it was? I would assume so. I think it was the entire Final Five. I think Steve was the last person who went who didn't suspect him. And Jill's wanted more people to think it was Peter. I think that's quite a few people. In the public, at least. Oh, in the public. Oh, because a third of the public thought it was Peter. Yeah, it was about a third for each of them, apparently. Well, that's kind of the mystery you want with the show, that uh, you want it as spread out as evenly as possible heading into a final episode. Oh yeah, I, I think it's really cool that it's that nobody really was certain. Like, Or what would be even better if it was like 50-50 Lloyd and Baja, and then 0% suspect Peter, and then Peter ends up being the mole. I'm more interested to see what the hidden clues are for Peter, because there's a couple that I've come across that i'm thinking is that actually going to be a clue or not like the first episode with the cross yeah like the ridiculous amount of religious imagery which i believe somebody said in episode two oh no that's just mexico and diverted my suspicions not mentioning any names you <laughs> still bitter but yeah the, the stuff like the marvel clue that i mentioned to jill 
there's another clue that I think we may have picked up on accidentally that Ant picks up on while you're away. Where is Ant? Why isn't he here? He is away today and tomorrow, apparently. Oh, so one of us is always on vacation, is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. This is the agreement we had when we started doing Belgian Mold, is that the three of us cannot appear at the same time. Maybe the reunion will be our own reunion as well. Maybe, that's my plan at least. I do want to actually get an e- a real episode with the three of us. I guess the thing that made me lean towards Peter heading into the end, because Pascal was my main suspect up until she was executed, was that some of the sabotages he did were were more a bit more sneaky than the others. Like Baja. With Baja, whenever they organized who was in what group for challenges, Baja was always the one trying to figure it out. And the fact that he volunteered for the whole briefcase thing. And then with Lloyd, he always put himself in the hero or zero role. With Peter, the sabotages were... Like with the drive-in challenge, where he just... He was like, okay, I'm just going to stay here and try to earn as much money as possible. But by the way... I'm going to stay in so I can't spell Matthew McConaughey, and then zero money is one. And then, well, look at this week with the challenge where you think, oh, all three people are going to be as selfish as possible trying to get the conversation with the mole. And then Peter's the only one who went overtime with guessing what the 100 seconds was going to be. So you think, oh, he just want to be really close to 100. But in reality, he just made sure zero euros were earned on his turn. At least the other still earn a combined total of 100 euros. One of the worst results of any challenge ever, I think, where people have actually made money. Just 100 euros? You earned a 60th of the potential pot. Yes. Other than challenges where they've blatantly uh, lost money out of the pot. I think Lloyd and Pascal probably actually have the title for most money lost on a single challenge this season. What intrigues me, though, is that if Lloyd and Baja were both on to Peter, why were they constantly pairing off? Perhaps they knew that the other wasn't the mole, so they knew they had a shot at making a reasonable amount of money in challenges. Yeah, but the logical thing to do if you want to win a show like the mole is to work out who it is as quickly as possible, and then try and make sure you can keep an eye on them. Because you then stop them being able to sabotage, but also you get more information for when they actually are the mole. For the quizzes? Yeah. It's kind of funny because Pascal got to be in so many challenges with Peter, hence probably why I suspected Pascal, because the two of them together probably sabotaged several challenges, and you think it's Pascal the one doing the sabotage when really it was probably Peter influencing it. But it's funny that Pascal had all of this access to Peter, and she did nothing with it. She even got to hear him whistle. Yeah, as a general rule with the Dutch seasons, and it hasn't necessarily happened recently, but as a general rule with the Dutch seasons, anyone who pairs off with the mole tends to do really, really well and usually wins. Except Olche. Olche <laughs> got fooled big time. Well, yeah, that's why I said not recent yet, not recent years, because actually in the past two seasons, yeah, the past two seasons, the person who's paired off with the mole hasn't actually won. But as a general rule, it used to happen a lot that anyone who forms a, a bonchia with the mole, tends to actually win the season. Yeah, like we'll look at the first American season of the mole, they all made final three together. Everyone else just got executed by, one by one from day one. So, previously the final four became the first and last participants in the mole triathlon, where Pascal capsized and Baja struggled. The boys tricked Pascal at a hotel, before everyone competed for the biggest secret of the game. Pascal was the one who won it, but she still left after seeing the final red screen of the year. And we get a flashback to seven months ago, and everyone wants to be the mole. Even the pastor. Yeah, if you were in that position, would you want to be the mole? I'd probably, it depends on how much money the mole makes in their contract. I think I would, purely because it'd be way funner. Especially if you weren't even trying to be a sneaky mole, you just ignore everything production tells you, and you just try to make sure the pot's at zero euros as, a, as everyone knows you're the mole and they can't do anything about it. Yeah, exactly. You just, I think you would have way more fun if you didn't have the pressure of worrying about whether you'd actually make it to the end or not. However, I would be too competitive, and I think I would want to be a contestant more so than the mole. I'd want to be a contestant first, and then, like, if I was brought back for an all star season, then I would say, eh, I want to be the mole this time. Interestingly, though, seven months ago is October, and we know they filmed, like, the back end of November, early December. So they must have found out with really short notice. Yeah, because they have, Jill said, what, they have six six briefings with the mole? So the mole probably finds out about a month in advance, maybe, and then the contestants probably two or three weeks in advance. That's, like, nothing. 
But you can imagine the uh, the phone call that Peter had with the bishop, can't you? Oh yeah, I'm not actually going to be available for three weeks because I'm going on the mole and I can't confirm or deny it, but I might need some confession afterwards. Yeah. I have to deceive a whole group of people while drinking lots of alcohol and I'm going to give random single women uh, my phone number. Peter has so many confessions that Usher has hooked up with him already for Confessions Part 4. Oh, and I'm also going to go grave digging for some of my friends. Ant had an interesting theory on last week's recap that he'd heard a theory that Peter has broken every one of the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm not sure whether he actually has or whether it's going to be a bit tenuous if they reveal that as a clue, but... All ten? He killed someone? Well, killing someone with the paintball gun. The first game this week talking about the gods being on their side is not honouring the Lord thy God, that sort of thing. So they're a little bit tenuous. They went deep. Yeah. That's the sort of clue that they love to hide in a, a mole season. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of religious uh, imagery for sure. It'll be like the seventh season of Dexter. Oh, 100%. And I've already seen a little clip of the the reunion from the VIA website when I was finding Gilles rundown. And uh, there's definitely something I'm going to gif. Baha um, gives Peter the finger. Flips him off? Yeah. When was this? This is at the reunion. Oh, at the reunion. Oh, just for winning over him. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be giving that next week. Yeah, because he already calls him an asshole in the when during the initial reveal reveal at the end of the episode. So the final three are in La Antigua, the site of Cortez's conquering of Mexico, and they are all dreaming of winning. In the ruins, they want to conquer this game like Cortez conquered the Mexican people. Perhaps in the future, one of them will con- conquer the Mexican people. All 24 million people in Mexico City. Quite possibly. Peter can be like the priest that converts everybody, and then, I don't know, Baja recruits people, I guess, um, just through uh, through financial backing, and then Lloyd's, Lloyd's, the, Lloyd's the muscle. And uh, in the penultimate assignments, Gilles presents them with four Aztec coins representing the natural elements, air, water, fire, and earth. One of them is made of chocolate and is worth 3,000 euros to them if they can find it. As they look closer, four Volador's approach and each take a coin. Is it Volador's or Volador's? It's Volador's. Volador's de Pampatla, is this? And they have 30 minutes, which is the time of the Volador's flight, to solve three mini-challenges, each of which will eliminate an element. And if they pick correctly, they win the 3,000 euros. And it's at this point that I must point out that a few weeks ago... I did talk about stereotypes that they were playing on, and I did suggest the Voladores de Pampatla. So I'm kind of smug right now. Yeah, we haven't seen them since uh, season three of The Amazing Race, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that um, that Hammer Oaks also had a, uh, a Volador-themed challenge. Yeah, I'm certain of that too. And in fact, it was the the same one that I pointed out another um, another Hammer Oaks challenge from. It was the the task directly before that. So in the first mini-challenge, there are 15 samples of chocolate and 16 ingredients, and they must work out which ingredient does not belong in a sample of chocolate. And I think this basically would be the challenge that we both would love the most. Just over ODing on chocolate is one of my dreams. I wouldn't even leave that station. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't even put effort into identifying which ingredient is missing. You know who doesn't like chocolate, though? Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Baha almost fed the chocolate to one of the dogs, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, and someone just went, don't feed it to the dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's how Brian Griffin uh, dies on Family Guy. The first time that he dies, anyway. Spoilers. Yeah, well, it's just a very, it's like five second clip. It's one of those cutaways. It's not an actual plot to the episode. And uh, they do choose salt as the correct ingredients missing. I guess a chocolate made of salt would be pretty easy to spot. Yeah, they do have salted chocolate over here. It's not a weird thing to have salt in chocolate necessarily. It's usually with dark chocolate, I think. Yeah, but like you'd be able to be like, oh, this is definitely like cherry chocolate, and that's definitely the salt chocolate. Yeah. And at the second table, they have seven models of towers from around the world, which are Big Ben, the Atomium, Antwerp's Cathedral, the Eiffel Tower, Empire State Building, Leaning Tower of Pisa, and the Torre Latino America, and they must order them from shortest to tallest, and the element associated with the one in the middle is the one that they can eliminate. And I think between us, we've basically been to six of these. Let's see, I've been to one, two... I think I've only been to, yeah, I've been to two of them. Yeah, you've, you've definitely been to Big Ben, because we went there. Oh yeah, three. Three. <laughs> um, I've been to the Eiffel Tower and Empire State Building and Leaning Tower of Pisa... I know you've been to the Atomium. Have you been to the Atomium? I haven't, no. I've never been to Brussels. 
Have you been to uh, Antwerp? No, I didn't see the Antwerp Cathedral, surprisingly. Just the ones in Bruges and uh, uh, Brussels. So five between us, then. Yeah. Although I'll probably be seeing the Latino America tour um, by August. I read an, another great interview that Gilles did where he said that, um, I think it might have been the one on the VA website, actually, where uh, the challenge with the Toro Latino America, he actually said, yeah, we had to film that really early in the morning because we're only allowed in there till nine o'clock. Oh, because then all the tourists start flocking in? Well, then all the workers, I'm assuming, start flocking in. So they could only actually ha- have control over the, the lifts until nine o'clock. Oh, that would be a really early, that's an early morning run. Most people like to run at 6 or 7 in the morning anyway. And it's at this point that they do spot the Voladores climbing. I like how they keep diverting their attention just to watch the Voladores while they have a really tight schedule with this challenge. It's like, I want to see the Voladores in person hang upside down, but oh man, let's order these cathedrals or these uh, buildings from tallest to shortest. Yeah, I'm assuming that would be quite distracting though. I'm surprised they figured out which one was the middle. Yeah, as distractions go, it's uh, it's certainly a, a more off-the-wall one, shall we say. Yeah, it wasn't like a, just a streaker running across the square or something like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite impressed that they managed to actually find the correct one in the middle, because I would have no idea. And it was the cathedral, right? Yeah, it was the, the cathedral, aka the only one that there's no chance of either of us going to. I was thinking it would be one of the shortest ones, personally. When you think of how iconic all the other buildings are, and then the Antwerp Cathedral is the middle... Yeah, in, in theory, the um, Big Ben should have been the shortest, given that actually it's the Elizabeth Tower, it, Big Ben is the bell inside, being perfectly pedantic. Mmm, nitpicking. Yeah, I'm going to be completely and utterly pedantic here. It's not at all Big Ben, it is the Elizabeth Tower. It's Big Liz and Small Ben. Big Liz. Would you like some more of my corn chips, Big Liz? Big Liz is hungry. And they do choose Antwerp's Cathedral as the middle one. And at the final table, they have four vinyls, and must pick the one which originates in Veracruz, and they do have the vinyl sleeves to assist, although they have a massive box full of them. So there was just a lot of different vinyl sleeves to go through to figure out which one was the Veracruz one? Yeah. So it's more of just how much time you want to take on it, and clearly they did not want to take that much time on it, and had a complete guess? Well, it was a very lucky guess, but also... By this point, there's two tactics you can use. Number one is ignore the vinyls completely for now. Just look through the sleeves to try and find the one that goes through Veracruz and then just find out which vinyl is Labamba. But also, if you're confident in your other two answers, you eliminate two of those vinyls straight away. You can get it down straight away to a 50-50 shot. That's right, too. If you already have two elements off the table, what's the point of uh, second-guessing yourself? No, you just eliminate it, make it a 50-50 shot, and hope you're right. That would be a smart way to go. Yeah, although it is a, a good sort of fact-checker is the best way I can describe it, because if you're confident that Labamba is the correct answer and it's one of the elements you've already eliminated, then you need to go back to the other one. Granted, I don't think they had that much time by the end of the challenge. Uh, they were down to their final second. And they do rush when they see that the Voladores are already coming down. Yeah, the one guy's foot is about to touch the ground, so they're just running back to Jill saying, This is the one! And they do pick Labamba, and Baja gets to bite the coin when they pick her. I really wish they would have been wrong just so Baja would be like, It's metal! <laughs> his teeth to break off. I lost my two front teeth, guys. I'm going to have to go to get some dental surgery and take the money out of the pot for the dental work. You win 24,000 euros and also dental surgery. Every single Easter holiday from this point forward... He would not want to have those gold coins in his Easter basket, because he'd be sceptical every single time. Sadly for us, though, they are correct, and they win 3,000 euros for the pot. The Aztec gods were on their side, as Jill said. Do you reckon that Peter deliberately didn't sabotage his one? I think it was just a fun challenge where he figured he could afford to uh, try hard on it. Yeah. Because the next one was so easy to sabotage that. This was the time to just say, eh, let's just, they both know I'm the mole anyway, so let's let's go for it. I think it's probably one of the those instances where you go, they both know I'm the mole, and I'm not going to actively sabotage, but if they pick the wrong one, I'm also not going to correct them. I think it's definitely a, a better tactic to just sit back on this one and just let them screw it up themselves and hope they do. Yeah, cause, or it's like what Frederick did in the final three of Celebrity Mole Hawaii, where she knew that Eric and Kathy were onto her, so she tried as hard as possible and then let 
Eric and Kathy draw as much uh, suspicion from the other as they could. Yeah, basically what Craig did in US Mole 5 as well is, they both know it's me. I'm just going to pretend I'm a player and add seeds of doubt in there. Yeah, it's the real, only the, real, the only real strategy you can go with at uh, Final 3. What was surprising with that Jill said in the interview, though, that he said that the season would be a failure if nobody, if, say, both Lloyd and Baja got faked out by each other and no one unmasks, no no one had their sights set, set on the mole. Yeah, I think it's different production team's attitude to that because I don't think the Dutch production team really care if no one finds it or not. Yeah, because you, you imagine how awesome it would be be like, you're declared the winner. All right, let's go. Sit, let's you know we'll have the one we'll unmask the mole, and it's not even the person that you went full ticket on on the final quiz. And then you find out you won with like three questions right out of thirty, and the other person only got one right out of thirty. Presumably, is the mole male or female? Well, a great example of this is not this year's Dutch mole, but the one, but last year's one. They actually had to put in an extra clue halfway through the season because no one was onto the mole. Oh, really? Because they knew no one was going to get it? Yeah, no one even remotely got close to guessing the mole's identity, so they actually had to put in an extra clue. Even better, they put it in on a game when the team lost, so Art ended up having to just go through the clue and hold it up to the camera <laughs> to really unsubtly hint that actually people were on the wrong track. And that was right near the end of the season before? It was about, about episode 4, episode 5, I think. Oh, so they wanted to get somebody on the right track a bit earlier than... That would be like when there's, like, what, six people left? Yeah, by that point, absolutely no one had picked the mole on on the test, and even towards the end, there was only really one or... Yeah, there was only really one person who actually worked out who the mole was. Because we had the great situation where the winner suspected the mole, who suspected the loser, who suspected the winner. Nobody suspected him, it was great. And we get a wonderful scene after this uh, challenge of... Everyone shopping for souvenirs and buying new hats for each other. Coloured skulls. Coloured skulls as hats. What shop is this? Can you imagine trying to bring that back through customs? Have you got anything to declare? Oh, there's just this bejeweled human skull. <laughs> and then they check through the boxes and say, actually, that doesn't violate uh, any of the customs rules that would be subject to an additional search. Bring in your bejeweled uh, skull into the country. Welcome back. Is there more than 100 milliliters of liquid in this skull? No. You're fine to bring it through, then. <laughs> there used to be. There used to be a, a functioning substance in here, but, you know, we went the whole mummification route, and now it's it's completely hollow. And following the assignments, they do leave La Antigua for Catimaco, at which point Lloyd breaks the curtains. But now, before that, Baja nearly broke a seatbelt while they were doing karaoke in the car. I think you'll find it's karaoke. Karaoke, yes. Pardon me, James Corden. And oh, and during the music music part of the challenge, when it was like goofy, it sounded like they were like goofy five-year-olds singing along to some of the songs. I just love the fact that we didn't actually properly hear La Bamba, even though it was the correct answer. We just hear them going dee 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 like they were talking about a villain from the Kirby video games. So yeah, once at Katimako, uh, Lloyd does break the curtains of the very nice chalet that they appear to be staying in. And weirdly, Baja gets a mud mask while Lloyd and Peter go canoeing. Uh, and uh, Lloyd, and they have a spicy breakfast. You'd think after three me- weeks in Mexico that they would be used to uh, spicy breakfast. Could have turned it into a challenge. And they do talk about each other a lot, because this is the final episode and there's only two challenges. They really don't have much else to talk about apart from who the mole might be. Yeah. So, for the final assignment, Gilles meets them at the Ayapantla waterfall. Each of them will be perched above the waterfall on a bungee swing with a 1,000 euro clock lasting 100 seconds. When they release themselves, they stop their clock and earn the cash, which was stopped on for the pot. If they grab the bag at the other end of the swing, they double their cash, and whoever swings closest to 100 seconds gets a reward that evening, which is a Skype chat with the mole. And the mole promises to reveal information that has not yet been revealed. What would be your tactic here? Well, I mean, it would depend the scenario that I'm in in terms of who's suspecting who. I guess when you just ace the previous challenge, the mole has to sabotage the final one. Because it's like, well, we got a perfect 3,000 euros with the chocolate task, so um, in order to be considered to be the mole by the other person who's in the final three with me, I have to lose a significant amount of money on this task, which I assume is the tactic that 
Lloyd and Baja both chose, even though they both have probably a good idea that both of them know that Peter is the mole and that no one's really going to be shaken at that point. But hey, you got to go for that last-ditch effort because if the other person is convinced wrong, then you don't have to do too well on the final quiz to win the game. Yeah. I, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to stop myself wanting to earn a lot of money on this. And I know for a fact that if I was in this position, I would be shit scared. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a few... You, you unclip yourself. Nobody else... There's not a tandem professional with you. It's all on you to clip yourself to fall down into a waterfall. I would be wanting to unclip myself as soon as is physically possible. Well, at least you can go for 2,000 euros then. Although grabbing that black bag seemed almost impossible. Because the fright and terror and the shock of being released from it, you wouldn't be able to focus on grabbing the black bag and that first swing up to the bag. And then by the second swing, you've lost too much momentum and you can't even grab it anymore. The great irony of this is the fact that nobody was ever going to be able to grab the black bag. And had they not even included that black bag rule in there, the maximum pot would have ended up at €100,250. They could have got it as close to €100,000 as is physically possible, and yet they chose to add in the extra 3000 Yeah, they lost their own uh, version of the countdown game. And Baja goes first and stops the clock at what he believes is 91 seconds. And Peter goes second, he counts using Mississippi, and stops at what he assumes is 95. And then... There's Lloyd. Now, in our interview, Gilles did say that there's one moment from the finale that still makes him laugh even months later. I'm assuming it was Lloyd on the bungee swing. Yeah, trying to figure out how the clips work, and then when he does unclip himself, just completely losing his mind. Everyone psyching him out, and him responding on the walkie-talkie, fuck off. Repeatedly saying that. Yeah, that's a great moment in itself. But then Lloyd trying to unclip himself is even funnier. The further you stay (laughs) in the harness, the scarier it gets. He fails twice at doing this. We don't just get to see him fumble the carabiner once, it's twice. And then when he does it, it's accidental anyway, and he scares himself shitless. Yeah, he uh, definitely was too, uh, too scared to properly pay attention to that lecture before he went on the waterfall. It was probably just all like Charlie Brown with wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah. Pull this wrong carabiner and you plummet to your death. And in the results, Vaha actually cut at 93 seconds. Peter cut at 119. Yeah, who, who knew that a terrible sitcom like Friends would fail Peter in a challenge involving thousands of dollars? Like, because the Mississippi thing is something you hear about all the way through childhood. This isn't... Something you learn exclusively through a TV show. This is widespread general knowledge. And I love that Peter says, Oh, I learned this from watching an episode of Friends and not the millions of people who have passed it down through the generations as to how to count a second. I think as soon as you saw Peter doing that tactic, you knew that he was going to be way over. Well, because what you're supposed to do is say, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. He was doing pauses between some of the Mississippis. And that's not how it works. Yeah, we know now that it was obviously a tactic, but like, it's obviously the wrong move to do that. You know what I would have done to scare Lloyd even more? Like, after he pulls the right carabiner to go down, everyone should have been radioing him constantly saying, you pulled the wrong carabiner, Lloyd, you pulled the wrong carabiner. Don't move, don't move. Lloyd, don't freak out, but you were meant to pull the other carabiner. We'll be right there. Just hang tight. Not for too long, though. But just just letting you know you're on borrowed time, Lloyd. I just hope you have good upper body strength, because you might need to just grab onto that cable for a sec for me. Yeah. Turn into, like, the unofficial Belgian sequel to, to Sylvester Stallone and Cliffhanger. You're not gonna die! But somehow Lloyd actually manages to get closest to 100 seconds at 97, winning in the challenge, and they earned a massive... 100 euros out of a possible 6,000. That pays for roughly, I want to say, maybe like five nights in a ho- in hostels in Belgium from when I was there. From experience. From experience. That's like 10 meals with of, uh, waffles. There's, there's so much you can do with 100 euros in Belgium, in one of the most expensive countries in the world. 
Belgium really isn't that expensive. You've never been to Scandinavia. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, in comparison, yeah, Scandinavia, high tax, super high taxes means a beer is like $10 Canadian is the equivalent, I think, in Scandinavia. And Switzerland as well. Switzerland is super expensive. Great example I'll use from Sweden. When we were in Sweden, it cost the equivalent of £11 for a dessert at a restaurant. £11? Oh, that's like close to 20 bucks. That is close to 20 bucks Canadian. Yeah. For regular des- dessert, and, uh, if you went to a, like a fancy, like a high-end sit-down restaurant? Not even that fancy, like... Like a TGI Friday? Yeah, TGI Fridays, exactly. TGI Fridays was £11 for a pudding. Oh, that is really what. I just knew you liked TGI Friday, so that's the example I used. It was the same in Hard Rock Cafe as well. Yeah, I would definitely be trying to find the equivalent to a panaderia in uh, Sweden then to uh, save on money. <laughs> no restaurants for me there. And as this is the final chance to earn money, that means that the pot is set at €27,665 of a possible €103,250, or 26.8% of the pot. The mole did well this season, or the contestants did terrible, or both. A little bit of both from what Gilles was saying. At least, though, with this challenge, even though all three were actively trying to be the mole and trying to earn as little money as possible... We still earned more than Steve did at the drive-in theater challenge. <laughs> we still earned more than Steve's whopping 25 euros. Oh, I love Steve. I miss him. Speaking of that theater challenge, just I was surprised how many people drove away several questions early. Like so many of them missed out on the last three questions, even though that's where all the money was. You really haven't had a chance to discuss the, the missing four episodes of challenges, have you? <laughs> No, that theater qu- the challenge, I'm like, yeah, I understand the mole would hang in there till the end and intentionally sabotage it. I'm not asking the contestants to stay through to the last question as well, but they were leaving like three questions early. Yeah, I think the added wrinkles of that challenge is the fact that you're in the car with a, a family member. So like, Steve and his wife obviously wanted to spend as long with each other as possible in a nice hotel. Yeah, but they could still spend in a car. Being together is what counts, Michael. I certainly wouldn't want to run the risk of being stuck in a Mexican parking lot for 12 hours or whatever it was. And the parking ticket, too. Yeah, you kind of can't guarantee after you get a question correct that you're going to get another one correct necessarily. Yeah, but there's three questions. You're going to get one of those three, right? Unless you spill McConaughey. Unless you're Peter. Well, Peter was... that's He's the mole. And unless he is the mole, Lloyd chats with the mole. If he is the mole, he chats with Jill. And that's it. A lovely wrinkle that they brought back from the money-stealing night vision task last year. Yeah. The mole says, Are you not annoyed that you won uh, won hardly any money today? But the information that the mole reveals is that the stimulus that they chose is... We don't know. Yeah. What up with that? Given that we knew who chose which stimulus, it kind of would have been obvious by that point, (laughs) even if he didn't work out Peter was the mole. (laughs) We should know before the players do. You know what I realised... Peter looked like a famous person I've been trying to figure it out for several weeks. And I think he looks a lot like the MMA fighter Vanderlei Silva. See, now I'm going to have to Google. Yeah, go to Google. I should note uh, Vanderlei is spelled W-A-N-D-E-R-L-E-I. Yeah, he does a bit. Yeah, Peter looks like Vanderlei Silva. Oh yeah, he really does in that picture. The axe murderer, not a pastor. And on their final morning in Mexico, Gilles does have breakfast with them and asks to look into all of their eyes, no sunglasses, and asks, are they the mole? And of course, someone lies. <laughs> yeah, one person just says, the jig is up, I'm the mole. I would love it if, if someone just put their sunglasses up and went, yeah, you got me, whatever, game's over. It's, it's like they didn't know at this point. Have fun revising, you didn't even expect it was going to be me, chaps. Yeah, in fact, that's what Lloyd and Baja should have done as a fake-out. They should have been like, yeah, I'm the mole. And just see if the other person would fall for it. And just and, and do that exact thing where it's like, you know, you knew it was me anyway, right? Wait, no, wait, what? You thought it was Peter? No, it's obviously me. Come on. What would have been way funnier is if they'd both done it and then Peter was just sat there going, no, I'm not the mole. <laughs> just looking all shifty. Yeah. All three of you are liars. At least one of you is lying. Or if Peter was just getting really nervous because it's right at the end of the game and he like he's blinking and he's... He, he can't quite make eye contact with Jill's and is blinking a lot and swaying a bit when he's asked the question. No, 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 I'm not the mole. I'm not the mole. <laughs> right? 
And then they head towards the final test and reveal location, which is in Tlaxcala. Uh, it's in a bullring, anyway. It's in a bullring. <laughs> and it's 30 questions on the identity and the actions of the mole. Whoever knows the most wins the pot. And the tie rule from the Argentine mole is still in effect, where time is not a factor, and if they tie, then there's that timed uh, overtime quiz. And just to bring something back to something I mentioned on the last recap with Ant, this isn't the first bullring we've seen for a final reveal. No, very first American mole had it. Yeah, in fact, Bindles um, did tell me exactly which two seasons have had it, because the uh, the Dutch one that ended up being in Spain actually went to exactly the same bullring as the first US one. Oh. They both had their reveal in the same one. I think it, he said it was in the town of Ronda. Oh, it was the Ronda bullring? I been I was in there. I did. I spent like five hours in the Ronda Bowl ring. Cause if so, that's cool. Cause Ronda's as I've I um I didn't know that it was heavy in uh, mole history. Cause there's a lot of bowl rings in Spain. So when I was in Spain, I was thinking, well, any of this could have been used for uh, for uh, mole locations. Cause I thought about that with the first season of the mole. I'm thinking, I mean, when I was in Spain, I'm thinking I could be a part of any of the. I'm probably unintentionally stumbling upon some of the challenges. But it didn't occur to me that the bullring and Ronda is what they used for the final reveal. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the Ronda bullring. Oh, yeah, because I have tons of pictures from in there. I think I'll probably, yeah, it's on my Facebook. So now you know you've actually been to a mole reveal location. Crazy. And let's be honest, you've probably been to the same one for the second UK one in Canada. You've probably stumbled upon that. Where was the final reveal for the UK mole? It was in a baseball stadium. Baseball stadium. There's, like, a, one of the bigger ones, like Vancouver, like, Nat Bailey Stadium? No, I don't think it was in Vancouver. It was somewhere somewhere in, well, it was somewhere near where you live, wasn't it? Oh, I wonder if they did, like, Kelowna? Because there's no real big baseball stadiums, per se, um, anywhere near where I live. I only know it was a baseball stadium because that was one of the major clues of the season. And as they go into the bullring, a very interesting song plays. Which brings me back to a theory that Ant had about one of the hints. It's a song called Me and the Devil, from the soundtrack to the HBO show True Blood. Now, the reason I mention it's the soundtrack to an HBO show is because this isn't the first piece of a soundtrack of an HBO show we've heard this season. In fact, the I think it was during the goat herding task, there was a version of Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, which actually appeared on the Westworld soundtrack. Oh, I still think Bianca was an accomplice in uh, the sabotages this season. Oh, almost certainly. And that was another, one of the big sabotages, too, with Peter, where you could just, you would think he was being really selfish with why an exemption or something by saying, oh, I want all five goats to go for the exemption. So that you can still collect a ton of goats and be like, oh, you're, you, did, you did really well for us, but it doesn't matter if you're throwing all of that money away because you want the exemption. It'll be really interesting to see at what point people start suspecting Peter. Well, I would say probably that uh, the first time he crept into my suspect list was with the driving challenge. Yeah. Because we were saying, like, oh, how do, you, how do you only get one out of five questions right? That's a really low ratio, because even uh, Steve and uh, Yoke, were they the two that did the... Katrine. Katrine, yeah. When they were doing the trivia challenge in the baseball field... No, it's Chani. It was Steve and Chani. Oh, yeah, Chani, yeah. With uh, Steve and Chani, at least which I think she was named after a tribe in Survivor New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. At least they got like 60% of their questions right, and even then it seemed like, oh, you should have been able to answer more. But with uh, Peter and Jeff in the car there, Peter only got one out of the five right, and that's when I I think I may have had him in my top three first suspects for that week. I think he was like number three. So I'm curious if that's when other, like Lloyd and Baja, started thinking it might be uh, might be Peter as well. And in news that will shock absolutely no one, one of the 30 questions is which stimulus did the mole pick? That's sort of the tradition now, where the final challenge, you ultimately play for an automatic uh, right question on the final quiz. Yeah. Because, was it, mole 2, they had that, but of course the mole is the one that won the challenge, so he said, oh, I don't want to, I don't need that. And then, uh, of course, in the mole revival season, the American version, the guys, the guy was so competitive that he threw away, was it $70,000 just to find... 75 it was. Yeah, $75,000 to find out the answer to a question that he already knew. <laughs> well, yeah, because that was a great situation where he, he found out the answer to a question that he didn't necessarily know, but the second place still got it anyway. It made no difference whatsoever. Yeah. And, in the end, when the lights go off, only one light turns on, and that is for Lloyd. 
because Lloyd is our winner. I wish the Skype chat between Lloyd and Peter was a... It'd be funny with all the questions and the taunting if, if like, Peter started asking really inappropriate questions like, what are you wearing? Are you single? And then Lloyd's like, just tell me what stimulus you used in the challenge. Oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, to, to which he would reply, I'll tell you, big boy. I'll give you plenty of stimulus sooner rather than later. Winking smiley. And then the best thing about it would be if he ended it with, uh, oh, sorry, wrong chat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were the woman from the bar. Yeah, I was meant to be uh, chatting to Yaki. And when the dust settles and the gate opens, there's only one man standing who is the mole, and it's Peter. And then there is a, a wonderful montage to end the season. I like how much Lloyd swore and the, sh- the genuine shock of him winning. He seemed more shocked about, shocked about that than he did uh, trying to figure out which carabiner to make himself uh, fall into the waterfall. To be fair to him, that is a decent chunk of change for a student to have. It's not like in the past where we've had, like, Cassie just spending it on a massive party for everyone in Greece. Yeah, she's fairly well off. Like, it's kind of funny that she was on Belgian mold and you find out, oh, she's been living in Greece for, like, ten years as a teacher or something. Yeah, it's probably for the best that, you know, Lloyd will just be putting his towards, let's be honest, a lot of tequila. But also probably towards his student debts. Granted, I think edu- student loan educate uh, student loans are probably smaller in Belgium than they are in uh, Canada and the states. Yeah, but still, he's gonna probably pay off at least a decent chunk of his his med school debts just from that. Right, med school. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. A uh, lot more expensive. That's at least a noble thing for the mole to fund for him. You know what I loved about the final three is when they all had to iron their shirts and dress up as fun as fancy as possible. And then Peter shows up in a bow tie. He's the first person I can think of that's showing up to a final three, final showdown quiz where everyone's all intense and serious, and he's in there wearing a freaking bow tie. Not just that, they're all wearing trainers as well. It's like, <laughs> at least pack some smart shoes, guys. Yeah, like, who wears that to a bull ring? You're not going to the opera, but you're also not, like, not slumming it on this one. So yeah, we, we end the main episodes of the season with a wonderful montage set to the song Sing Hallelujah, which I know... Amused a lot of the Australians around. I got messages from both Bindles and Michelle about it. And all I have to say about Peter being the mole is... Holy moly. Holy moly indeed. I like at the end with Baja coming out and doing like Godfather slaps on Peter's face and then referring to Lloyd as an asshole. That's how we end the season. What a wonderful lasting memory of the season. So I guess we're going to talk more about why the season worked next week. With it being like the reunion and stuff and we'll know the entire picture at least. But... This has been a fantastic year. I mean, I've crammed the three Belgian seasons over the past uh, few months, I guess, just because there's, you know, for people out there who are listening that only watch them all, you got to think that both of us that were big fans of Survivor, Amazing Race, Hunted, like for me, I don't know about you, Michael, but it's just way too much. It's, it's an oversaturation to a certain extent. So you kind of have to, there's so many options out there that you have to pick and choose what you watch. And... At this point, with watching the Dutch Mole this year, then catching up on these three, uh, the two last two Belgian moles, and then watching this one live, that uh, I'm really glad that I've put other sh- the other versions of other reality shows uh, on the back burner for at least the next couple years or so, and then just focus on catching up on Dutch Mole, and then now being an active viewer of uh, Dutch and uh, Belgian Mole as well. I'm really glad that you. And Michelle and Ant have all made time to shut me up, basically, and stop me nagging you all about watching this show. Because I'll obviously say a lot more about this next week, but it's been an absolute delight to cover this show. It's been one of my favourite shows we've ever, we've ever covered, and I think, I worked it out last week, I think it's 23, 24 different seasons of shows that we've covered now. I think this is one of the most fun for us. It's been so, so much fun, and... Especially with Gilles joining us last week. It's just been an absolute delight for me. Yeah, because i got to think, like, I did not watch Big Brother Canada at all this season. Well, except for I watched, out of the 30 episodes, I think I saw three or four episodes from the first month. And they were all terrible. And then I saw five minutes of the finale. They, I, somebody up online posted, posted saying, oh, I've never seen t- the final two fight so hard for jury votes before. And then I watched a clip of Paris and Caleb uh, begging for jury votes, and all they do is just shout for five minutes straight. 
that's all they do. They just shout. They're not even presenting compelling cases. It's just they're yelling at the top of their lungs to make it look like they really want to win. And then, uh, of course, Amazing Race Canada is just, that ship has sailed. I really want to do a cast assessment just because it'd be hilarious to knock down this whole hero theme. But, man, my interest in that series has gone way down. Um, and then with the American version of Survivor, it's uh, Ghost Island has not been, it's not been a very interesting watch, to say the least. No, I, I certainly don't think it's the worst season we've ever seen by a long shot. But it it just hasn't given many reactions to me. Especially when we have two other English-language versions of Survivor in South Africa and New Zealand also airing, and both of those seasons are doing way better than Ghost Island. New Zealand has been very inventive. It has, and even when it's been a disappointing boot like we had this week, I can see the reasons why they told the story the way they did. Mm-hmm. The storytelling is much better in uh, both, and definitely in the New Zealand version. South Africa seems a bit more strategy heavy but the characters are so out there i mean we had a guy eat a hidden immunity idol clue but the thing for me is that the mole has always been probably my favorite show that i watch regularly it's always been amazing and this season's absolutely no different this season has exceeded my expectations they've taken mexico and made it the 11th player there hasn't been a week episode, even the quieter episodes that we had, like, post the family visit, that was a bit of a quieter episode. But it still was a great episode, and it's given us so much to talk about, which is all I can ask for in the show. Yeah, like, none of this, like, you want the Dutch mole that I watched, and now I'm trying to catch up on the other ones. I think, and then hope maybe this will gain enough traction, so maybe out here in Canada, the States, the States brings back their own version, or Canada has a version, because, yeah, Dutch and Belgian mole are... Always hitting it out of the park. I will spoil next week now. We're 100% doing Vista Mall next year. There's not a chance in hell that we're not doing it, because this year's one was fantastic, and instead I had to do Amazing Race 30. So I'm saying it now. We're doing Dutch Mall next year. We're doing Belgian Mall next year. And I'm going to Belgium for the finale next year. Yeah, and especially if you've heard the rumours with Season 31 of Amazing Race, if that's on in January, may not be the most enjoyable viewing experience based on the casting rumours. If it's a choice between covering Hunted, Fiesta Mall, and Amazing Race 31, I'm not doing Amazing Race. Because that shift has kind of sailed for me. I really didn't enjoy Amazing Race 30, and I enjoy the other two shows way, way more. However, if Amazing Race Asia... What if Amazing Race Asia is on in January? Don't even suggest that, because you know my heart will break, and I'll probably end up having to do three podcasts a week. Even though I've said I'll never do that again. You will have to do that in that, in that uh, scenario. I would do that in that instance. But going back to the Gilles interview, like I was saying at the start, we've had a lot of good feedback about it. Some more fun than others, because I mentioned Bother's Bar, and I've just been having a quick look at the DeMol thread on there, because I did post the link and everything, and there's been a lot of feedback from them. Matt Clemson has said, it was a great interview, which led me to uh, to going back to the start of the series and listening to that, and I can't help but be amused by a couple of quotes from the first episode. Who do you suspect is going home next week? Baha didn't get much airtime other than people making fun of his cardio, right? I think Peter could be going home early. I certainly don't see Peter lasting that long, personally. I think Pascal could be going home early as well. <laughs> so when anyone says that we have a great record with the mole... I put my hands up in the first episode and said, I have a terrible record with Belgium Mobile. And that proves it. We did, however, say that Lloyd would go far, so suck it. And at least in the... in the, It's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's how long did I have Pascal as my number one suspect, and thank God she went home before Final 3, otherwise I would have looked like an idiot this time. I actually think it's much more fun listening to coverage of a season when the people know absolutely nothing and are just really confident in their own opinions, which is kind of what I do. I think that's kind of the trademark of this podcast in general, Michael. It's way less fun when when we know what's going to happen. So have we got anything else to say before we return for the reunion next week? No, otherwise we're just going to be re-summarizing things again, so... I think we're. I'm curious to see how exactly Peter was able to sabotage, and I'm curious how many people were onto him. Um, who was the first to be onto him? How did Baja blow it in the finale? How did ba- how did Pascal blow her advantage? And is 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 Steve Steve still not the mole? Is that possible? And one question I do have: Who do you think tied with Kelly in the first week? 
I want, I'm hoping it was either Lloyd or Baja. Just for tradition. Just for tradition, yeah. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet. I'm not going to make any more guesses because obviously I'm wrong at everything. I want to see what Jeff... I uh, want them to talk about the briefcase challenge with Jeff and Baja. Because that was just one huge... That was one of the biggest mind games of the season. Yeah, that was a really intense challenge. Hopefully they do something similar to that again in the future. I'm sure they will. They're already planning, aren't they? Yeah, they've already got the whole season figured out. In Australia? They're filming in Australia, right? We need to stop speculating that, because that was our guess off air. And if we're right, they'll probably have to change it. Okay, okay, then they're filming it in Equatorial Guinea. Yeah, they're, they're filming it on Easter Island. They're going to have a, an Easter Island head challenge every week. Swaziland. Swaziland. Lesotho, South Africa wasn't enough. We have to go to the enclaves. We have to go to Swaziland and Lesotho for a season. Let's be real. They're obviously going to go to Canada. November, December filming schedule. Oh my god, they're going to have so much fun during that time. Who's ready to freeze to death? <laughs> the mole would have to be hidden underground because it's winter. Mole wouldn't be able to sabotage anything. They could have a great challenge in the the underground passages underneath all the shopping malls in Toronto. And then run into James Duffy and Devon Soltendeek somehow. And the cast members are the the members of B44. So, thank you for listening to this Belgian Mall podcast. We will be back next week for our final episode for the reunion. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Log Superquacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring.